Lucy, Jay, how are we? Hi, Fats. You're good. Well, I'm good. I'm <laughs> great. How's it going? Oh, mate, I am really excited to have you guys. Um, I'm in podcast land at the moment. I seem to be doing these every five seconds, but they're fun. They're really, really fun. So hopefully it's another cool little journey with the two of you. Are you ready? So ready. Never been this ready. That's ready, ready. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so for, for our listeners and for everyone that's, um, you know, around the traps um, thinking about this particular topic we're talking about today, you know, I have had a bit of history with both of you um, over the years in your corporate lives for different reasons. And um, today you run your own podcast called The Steam Engine and I um, drew a real quick interest to that podcast because for me it's all around um you know the idea of people first leadership values based leadership and you talk really honestly and openly about that so you know for the average listener in my world you know entrepreneurs business owners business leaders of different types whether they've got a team of three three hundred three thousand it doesn't really matter you know people are central to execution of the strategy and i just wanted to have a really honest conversation with you guys so you know today um Let's have a look at that, right? Um, I'm not sure who wants to start, but I'd love to let our audience know a little bit about you before we jump in now. Corporate life, wherever it is, whatever you're doing at the moment. Lucy, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, I'll kick off. Um, so <coughs> I'm Lucy and I am a chartered accountant by trade, but don't let that put you off. Um, so in terms of corporate life, I spent about 15 years in finance roles mainly for kind of global organisations um, across, well, I started in London, came to Melbourne, ended up in Sydney, um, with a little jaunt in Chicago in between. Um, but about a year and a half ago, I actually left the big corporate world and moved to smaller organisations where I have been um, ever since kind of changing tack really from, yeah, the large, you know, billion dollar revenue roles to um, a lot smaller, varying sizes, not-for-profits, different industries, IT, etc. So um, now I am working as head of finance for a small company, but also starting my own kind of virtual CFO business, which is in its infancy, but I'm really enjoying it. And then obviously the uh, podcast with Jay as well, which is a very fun journey. Slightly less professional than this one. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's professional. It's all in the substance. But yeah, thanks, I mean, it Lucy. sounds it, but, you know, if you saw BTS, it'd look a bit different. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, Lucy. So you're at a, at a nice stage of life where you've opted out of corporate, but you've got this sort of portfolio play going and, and the podcast, is it a passion project? It is, yeah, yeah. There's... Um, I mean, it came about where Jay and I had a lot of conversations, you know, mm -hmm. through our time, we used to work together. So we had a lot of conversations and we realised that the crux of the conversations are always about, if you thought about the person first, then the outcome would be different, et cetera. So, um, I don't know, it was a year, year and a half ago. Year and a half, yeah, yeah. I was like, actually, mate, I think we just, we should record these conversations. Like, we're geniuses. <laughs> we're like, like, absolutely not. Yeah. Why, why would we record this? And yeah. Lucy convinced me. We've got some microphones, got some headphones. <laughs> we're in my kitchen and yes. that's how we record it. So yeah, definitely a passion project. Evenings, weekends, that's when we do it. Um, but it's been really good fun. So we've done one season so far and season two is in the works. Very cool. Yes. So Jay, what's your side of the story? So my side of the story, so I'm a, I'm a management accountant, so boring accountant, really fun one. Um, <laughs> so I started uh, back in Sri Lanka as an accountant, as a grad, uh, did a couple of um, finance roles, like key finance roles, like in tax treasury, which is like, really, I would never want to go back and do that again. Um, but I've done those controls and then moved to Australia did, uh, with the same company and then um, did some bigger roles uh, in Australia, like led the like supply chain kind of roles and then moved uh, into a commercial role in this, uh, in the current organization. Um, and then um, after a while, after about 16 years, I got a bit bored and I thought like I should expand my experience into a completely different um, uh, part of uh, the organization. So I moved to a sales role, leading a big sales channel um, three years ago, just before COVID. Wow. 
Um, and that's been such a such um, growth opportunity for me as a leader, as well as um, from a expanding my skill set perspective, right? Because you're looked at as an accountant always going, oh, yeah, be an accountant, like boring. And then you go and start leading a big channel and meeting customers every day and like having negotiations with customers. Such a difference to what I'm used to, but I've loved it, like absolutely loved it. Um, so that's from a professional perspective, right? And I've, I'm married, I've got two kids. Um, it's a juggle, absolute juggle, but I've done uh, well, I think, because I've got a son who's got special needs as well. So that needs a bit more, so he needs more support. Um, but yeah, and then the podcast has been one of the like fun things we've done, yeah. right? Like <laughs> we, it's like a conversation we have, right? Like it's just somebody's re like, not somebody, we are recording it. <laughs> and um, I think it's super exciting because so many people actually listen to it, right? And when we start, we are like, if two people listen to it and get some value out of that, what we talk about, we are yeah. good, right? That's how we started. And to have like 600, 700 people listen to the podcast, in eight episodes, eight episodes, yeah. yeah, which has been so humbling. Not all accounts are boring, by the way. Oh, I, I clearly not, right? Like, to, right. like yeah. your, your evidence, right? Yeah, your evidence absolutely. of that. And, you know, you can, if you can become a salesperson, go to the dark side, even, you know, tell that's saying something. But um, look, I, I, I love salespeople. It's so close to my heart. Um, I want to consider a question now that, you know, comes out of your your initial description of where you're at, right? You, you're both busy. You've both got lots going on. You know, there's there's all this stuff in your lives, and you've decided to have this little passion project in the in the podcast. Um, and as you said, maybe two people listen, maybe maybe many more. Why is it important to do it? Like, why why for you, in your opinion, is this something that needs to go out to the world to talk about values based leadership, to talk about people first, to what's the problem you're trying to solve? We, we've had, both of us have like quite a lot of year, number of years and experience in different roles, different industries, right? What we, what we want to get out of it is making sure at least people who are starting off their journey, career journey, right? If, they, if we can collapse the time that they need to experience all these things that we've experienced, um, that's kind of our objective because um, people leadership is hard, right? It, people are like human beings are really tough to understand and motivate and inspire, right? Um, we've made mistakes. We've learned. We, um, we are no experts at all, right? But we probably have a lot more wisdom now than 15 years ago. So we just wanted to share that. My experience goes back 15 years, as I mentioned, and it's taken me 15 years, literally that long, to learn some of these lessons. Mm -hmm. So I think being able to kind of have a conversation and allow, you know, an audience to listen to it, if if all of a sudden our conversation maybe has someone thinking a different way or gives them permission to do something mm -hmm. rather than, you know, you're in a particular organisation and culturally they go down path A, and we talk about maybe path B being another option that just brings another thought process into an organization. So, and, and I think, I think I know our viewpoint is always people at the, so this is a very kind of authentic, very natural for us to have a conversation about, because honestly, I, I genuinely believe it starts and ends with people. And so again, if it's just me and Jay sat in our living room recording it and two people listen to it, great. If it can resonate, which it seems to be, then even better. And so it just gives us the kind of impetus to then move forward and do another few, have some more deeper conversations when people go, actually, we do understand what you mean here, but we've never thought about it that way. And that is some of the best feedback we've had. It's like, oh my, we didn't even think about values or something that way, um, which just helps us see we're probably on the right track. But one of the things I definitely have learned over the last couple of years if you're doing something you're passionate about and that passion comes across, then people will 
take note and jump on and it seems to be happening doesn't it it absolutely seems to be happening right and um openly we've talked about it in the podcast as well um when i started my career i had no concept of oh yeah like my values have to be aligned to what i do that's where i really would thrive and really be happy that's something that i didn't even think about 15 years ago right so if it encourages people starting off or even like have had six, seven years experience even, to think about it, take time to reflect. I think that's a that's a win for us, right? Like that's amazing for us. And them. Huh? And them, right? And them, yeah. yeah. It's um <laughs> when I hear that there's this, you know, can you sort of say 15 years ago I didn't think that way. I mean, is it a case that you're noticing that people are being more conscious they have a choice about how they fit in, where they should fit in. You know, I'm not a, a victim or a slave to the next paycheck. I, I can find an organisation that it works well. I mean, we've had many people in this podcast, and in my own my own journey, my own career, I've worked with that amazing, like they they really sticky teams, really connected, loyal. You know, to some degree, you know, people. You know, I've got a client at the moment. I know that people in the, his team would just stand in front of a bus for him. He's that sort of guy. Um, and um, yep, there is a choice. Um, is that what you're noticing? Is that sort of part of the narrative that's that's coming out and you're seeing in the conversations you're having with your colleagues or peers or people in the community? I think on a just going like real macro here. Yes, there is a choice. It's a generational thing, right? So, you, so just to go right back, you've got. Um, the people who wanted stability and what have you, I'm talking like 50 years ago, right? That's why you got a job. I'm so grateful to have a job. I need to earn the money to pay for my house and um, put food on the table for my kids to then start, have a slightly better life than, than I had. And then you've got, you know, you're in the 80s or the yuppies all want the money and they'll do anything for the money. And I think that's where kind of big corporates anyway went, oh, people are doing anything for money. So as long as the salaries are right and what have you, I'm kind of generalizing here, but you mm, see the I point. get the point, yeah. But I think then the, the further and further away you get from the kind of baby boomer generation, you've got people going, well, not money's a given, it isn't a given, right? And we all strive to be comfortable in a sense, but the safety it exists. For the most part, people can, um, probably people who listen to this podcast can keep a roof over their head of various sizes. So the safety is met. So actually people are starting to look at the self-actualization piece as they move up that, you know, hierarchy of needs. Yeah. So um, that's really macro. And I think that generationally we're moving to the, to the thought process of what actually fulfills us. And we actually are lucky enough to be able to do that now. Um, and then obviously the events of the last couple of years of, you know, working from home and, and just the nature of the organizations that exist now there used to be you know your massive fortune 500 corporations um and everyone wanted to work for those big brand names whereas actually you know with the rise of all the smaller startups the fintechs and everything else that's been such a shift and so so the, the brand loyalty doesn't necessarily exist anymore so it's up to the individual i think to then go what do i actually want out of my job as opposed to being told by society we well, want a good salary you want a respected career and like let's be real why did i become an accountant probably for those two things mm-hmm. you'd always have a job loose <clears throat> like i definitely got told that a number of times and i went oh cool accountants earn a good salary great and so 15 years ago that's what I that's was the doing. logic yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah i think that's a um Really, yeah, fair observation. I mean, I'm sure there's data to support that, you know, that we could always unpack. But the, I think that's a a really critical piece to consider when you're looking at it from a business leadership point of view. Is that that's the world we're in now. People are looking yeah. for fulfillment. You know, the choices that they are leaning into are far different to what they were leaning into 15 years ago. And yet, you know, we as leaders sometimes we will get into habits that we had 15 years ago. Um, what? Um, do you, yeah. Sorry, just a, the one example I have of that. That I watched is when Jay built a team four, five, five years ago, four years ago. Um, the millennials, right? And even the millennials is a bit old hat now, and I'm one, right? But like, you've got an entirely new generation. You want very different things. But even the way you built that team, it wasn't about the salary because you you knew that, and you can probably speak for yourself. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) And you knew that that the people in the team didn't want the salary as the first thing. They wanted the experience or the the ability to make a difference. Mm. Yeah, it's 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 all about like it's not how we grew up, 
uh, in the corporate world that the new generation looks at things, right? It's about what do they value? They valued um, being part of a team, a diverse team, right? Like, so diversity is really most places like, oh, it's just the gender, right? Diversity is absolutely not just gender, right? It's just the, it's just culture. It's the thought process. I brought in people from very different industries, like because I, I work in FMCG and then historically everyone who you hire has to be from FMCG, right? Yeah. Uh, but I brought in people from telecom, from automobile, and they're thriving because you bring them in because they bring a very different perspective to what you've been doing. And that, I think, is what the new generation is looking for, not doing the same thing over and over and over again yeah. the same way. Right? What's interesting is it's not only what they're looking for, it's what business need. You yeah, know, businesses want to need to innovate. We're in a changing rapidly changing uh, ecosystem at the moment. And and I suspect, and you guys would live this in your different worlds, um, we need to solve problems differently. Um, and so I, I, I would imagine these people are coming in with an open mind or at least a curious mind um, to, in order for them to execute their job, they've got to start to understand and start to solve problems differently. Is that is that what you notice? Yes, absolutely. And I think uh, coming back to people, right? So when you do that as a leader, you role model that behavior to your team, right? So when they become leaders, right? They go, oh, actually that worked, right? So then, so so we talk a lot about that in our podcast about how you role model because um, we have to adapt too, right? We are not from that uh, that generation, right? Like the Gen Z is very different to how we grew up. But if we learn, if we are curious to know what ticks them, what they value, right? And then encourage them to think about what makes them happy in organization, right? It's definitely not what makes us happy in organization because historically we used to stay in a role for four years, right? Four or five years and we're good. That's not going to work anymore, right? So little things, but they're big things, right? Like that's how you lose people as well. So my biggest learning is understand individuals and their values so that you can actually support them in getting what they actually want. So if we look at that, you've, you, both of you have used the word values a few times during the conversation, which is fine, like, you know, but I I often, you know, I'll see a company's, you know, set of values on the wall or they'll come in and they'll send me a document and you'll have a look at them and I'll say things like communication will always feature or the way we relationships or the way we treat others, things like that feature all the time, mm -hmm. right? Um, also things like innovation and, you know, those sorts of words come up. So the value values that most organizations have are reasonably congruent or be, they are articulated differently. Um, the the thing I'd love to hear is that you know you guys have observed many leaders over your time. What are what are the leadership traps that you notice people are trop, tripping over when it comes to like helping others and helping their environment live these values? Do, you know, where do you where do you see this messiness or you know uh, challenge? Well, you know, here's our values. Mm -hmm. Here's our team. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you said you've come to the awareness that it's important to start with people. But I know for a fact that doesn't always come across that way. And there's many people that are disgruntled with their jobs or frustrated with their manager or frustrated with their, you know, their ability to progress uh, in a way that feels right. Um, so it's not saying that's the manager's fault per se. I'm just saying where can leaders, where have you noticed leaders trip over uh, in creating that environment? I think there's probably a couple of things. Um, one, leading on from what Jay just said around, you almost, there's a sense of like, we've always done this, so we'll always do it and not actually um, being able to kind of review past behaviours and go, were they actually the right or are they fit for purpose now? Because, leading on to the second thing, there's this, I think, and I have definitely had it when I first started managing people, an innate desire to be in control and to, to be the one who knew the most and not letting myself be seen as, oh, I actually don't know the answer to that. So, you know, or I don't know how to lead you as a person. When you're bringing in such diversity of thoughts or experience, you're not going to know how to manage them. And, and sometimes you always have to be out of control as a leader to be able to be in control 
eventually in the right way, right? So like I being curious to learn from your team, actually letting your team teach you something, um, but having that open-mindedness. So I feel like um, I'm being told that maybe you're wrong. So I've definitely been in organisations where there's a set of values and then, you know, there might be a particular value that they just assume, oh, well, it's written on the wall. So we always operate with, I don't know, trust or respect. It's like, well, is that actually playing out? Mm-hmm. And um, and being able to take that feedback as a leader that it, it's not yeah. or, or what have you. So the element of control, I think, in leadership, you almost need to let go of the reins a bit to be a bit more of a, um, that's my opinion, is to be a, a really strong leader. You almost have to kind of feel like you have control. It's it's like the being vulnerable, right? Like that's, yeah. yeah. So with experience, I can talk about when I moved from finance, knowing finance inside out to a totally different function, by default, if I wasn't vulnerable to go, hey, guys, look, this is new to me, right? I'm going to learn from you and I will bring a different perspective that you can learn from me as well. So so it, it takes a lot of courage to do that. A lot of leaders miss how powerful being vulnerable is to your team. There's no ego in there, right? Like you just have, because you're learning too, right? You don't go to any role knowing everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You don't. So, um, and that allows uh, your team to kind of trust, yeah. right? Yeah. You, you give your, you're being really super vulnerable about everything. And also to your question around how, what are the mistakes or like what are the things that the leaders miss? It's also to lose this point, I'm the leader, so I should know everything, mm-hmm. right? No, no, like nobody knows everything, right? Even the CEO doesn't know everything, right? Like that's a realization that everyone, all of us leaders need to have going, hey, like we are all here to learn. Yes, I, I'm leading this agenda, right? But uh, uh, let's learn together and let me help you get to where you want to get to as well. Let's yep. let's have open conversation. Yeah, I like that. I, I, I'm going to ask this question partially from a you know devil's advocate point of view but you know partially because i do think it is something that a lot of people are challenged with you talk about vulnerability right now if i look at leadership and management the way i often describe to people just to simplify it is that the leadership component and the management component must be symbiotic they must work together and leadership is the ability to motivate and inspire people to go to a destination and management is the structures and the ability to provide some degree of certainty in that path to the future because people people do need control or a sense of safety in the way they function equally they need to feel motivated to lean into the gap, the difference between where we are today and where we are tomorrow. Now, that might be a sales target. That might be a full transformation. It could be all sorts of things. Um, and being vulnerable in those places, right, there's, there is a degree of needing to put some certainty around people as a leader. So in what areas do you believe people do vulnerability well? And in what areas do you feel people do vulnerability poorly? I don't think there's a right or wrong in being vulnerable, right? I think it's about um, being self-aware, right? Being self-aware of where your strengths are, right? I I can only talk about personally how I view it, right? But you have to, I don't think there's right or wrong. You you have to be self-aware of where your skills are and where you're going to lean in to your team, for their skill set, yeah. right? So, um, but I personally believe when you're vulnerable, right, you open up a part of you that you want to really safeguard because it's not safe, right? Like you, you, it, when you open up yourself, you're not feel you're not safe, right? But that always, almost always, allows the other person to see a part of you that you've that is very sacred and they can probably connect to you then they can connect to you right yes yeah because it's interesting what i'm hearing what you're saying is it's almost like i've got to be as a, a leader and manager able to find a way to expose where my my gaps are mm-hmm. knowing that i've got all these things i bring to the table otherwise I, i'm not a business owner i wouldn't be able to bring value to the world or through my whatever i do or my my, my function but 
in that I'm going to open, I have to be open to know that I don't know. And if I knew the answer, then I'd be a fraud, to be fair. Like if, you, if, you, if you're claiming you know something you don't actually know. Mm-hmm. So you're, starting for, you're saying you're starting from the place that, okay, I'm opening that up to others. So then the other side of that is a responsibility in your team and your people to be willing to be okay with that, right? Yes, but what, what I found is human beings, right? When someone is vulnerable and open and really transparent, very rarely somebody would take advantage of that. Yeah, I think, very rarely, I think people are born right? good. Yeah, people, yeah. Yes. So um, I, an example comes to mind, right? Like I was leading this somebody in my team. It was very like close, like really serious. And he used to come to me and say, oh, I'm trying to like, you know, build a relationship with my direct report. Like it's really hard. She doesn't say anything, doesn't open up. I'm like, okay, so have you opened up? Like, oh, no, 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 no. I, I can't open up. Like I, I don't talk about myself. Like this is work, right? I, I don't talk about myself. Well, do you think they will? How do you expect them to yes, do that? Yes, yeah. exactly. And then after a couple of months, she's, she's like, oh, this is working really great. Like I started talking about myself and then she's, oh, she opened up. I'm like, yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's a really small example of being vulnerable, but that is being vulnerable, right? Because you have to have the courage to do something that you're not really comfortable doing. Correct. Yeah, yeah I love it. I love it. It's it's such a simple concept, right? Like, it's, you know, one of our previous guests said, you know, it's, it's not, it seems like a logical equation just to be interested in someone and they're likely to be interested in working with you, mm-hmm. right? you know, to being open, to being uh, prepared to, to share a bit of it of yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And the equation's so logical, yet it seems so hard to do. I feel like because of these shared corporate values and my def- my experience, and, and when we started doing the podcast, Jane was all like joking around and I was like, I just can't joke around if I'm talking about work. Like, and I find myself quite a jovial person outside of work, but having worked in these big organizations and, and it's actually no disrespect to them because they there's a big job to be done. And there's a brand, you know, so I used to work with like a lot of clients and stuff. So there's a brand, if you're going to um, um, ref- represent that organization. So I was kind of serious and, and that's how I was kind of like taught to behave, you know? So, it's taken a long time to go, actually, like one of the things that's really important to me is the ability to be quite like fun and jovial, yeah, like yeah. in an appropriate place. And But I do feel then, and the example you just said about um, the guys like, well, I'm not going to open up myself, this is work. That is something that has been, again, I think it's changing. I think the tide is changing that because when historically organisations haven't been that diverse, that now there is diversity and so it is you know neurodiversity is a thing right? and part of that in my perspective is how people interact with each other and you know solve problems and some people might do it in a more of a jovial way than others and yeah. and you can do it however which way you want as long as you're doing it true to yourself um but that has been a huge learning for me is that now I'm more myself at work than ever um because the shared values, I think, play out in a have played out in a personality sense over the last kind of decade or so. so yeah. It was really hard to be friends with her. <laughs> yeah, are you guys. So stiff, like, yeah. oh my God. Yeah, we yeah. tried. I mean, especially That's when, not especially, even a joke. She's like, <laughs> not, not even joke. Well, especially when she's pretending to be someone she's not. She did a lot of time. Yeah, yeah, well, thank you for being vulnerable. Yeah. <laughs> so a couple of uh, I'm going to shift gears a little bit, um, but uh, before I do the neurodiversity piece, is an interesting. One. I was at a conference the other the other day, and I was on on stage, and, and someone said, "Well, how do you see neurodiversity fit into your your diversity inclusion agenda at your business?" Mm-hmm. I, th- I thought, like, I th- wasn't sure how to answer. I thought, is that like a trick question? Surely, diversity is diversity. Right. Um, do you think we have a challenge with really understanding how to tackle diversity? You know, I, I think it still hasn't been done well. Um, I think there's a really strong intent out there. But what's your observation in, you know, in the in the worlds you've seen at least? I can talk about neurodiversity for hours, but we don't so have like the time because change. yeah, because I've got a son on, uh, who has autism, so he's neurodiverse. I won't talk about him, but. Um, I think we've come a long way 
in terms of diversity, right? Like men and women is. So just as an example, uh, the I, I lead a business, like a sales channel, right? Internally, the company I work for is super diverse, like culturally, like it's, it's the most diverse place I've ever like seen and worked, right? But the minute you step outside to uh, customer events or industry events, um, to be fair, like just as recently as yesterday, in a meeting of about 30 people, I was the only woman, right? I was the only Southeast Asian woman, right? So that narrows it further down. So um, companies, I think, do diversity as a metric in terms of male and female, right? Um, some companies go above and be above that and go, oh yeah, like it's not only uh, the gender, it's everything else. It's the sexual orientation or culture or race or whatever, right? Um, but I think um, when it comes to neurodiversity, I don't think we've even scratched the surface of um, inclusion in that sense. Or conscious inclusion. Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely actually just not. finished working for um, a company who I think have done excellently with this, but I literally had to Google the word neurodiversity um, when they announced um, a programme that they were starting where they're actually bringing um, uh, kids, just young people with autism into the workforce. Um, however, the, it's they're bringing, um, it's being done by an, another external provider that actually supports them with that. So such an amazing first step into it, but also shows that as leaders, we don't have the expertise to, to you know, depending on where you go on the, you know, neurodiversity is a massive topic in itself, right? Mm -hmm. So, so it depends on, on what that you want that to look like in your business. But again, it would be very confronting for a lot of leaders to open up the neurodiversity of their workforce because, again, how do they know how to deal with it? It's like the lack of loss of control of it. You know, if I decided to, I don't know, open it up and to someone who wasn't like me, my safety's gone away because I can't control the people that are not like me. So it's much easier to have a workforce that is like me. Um, well, not only that, it's also confronting to be transparent about who you are, right? Yeah. If people are people aren't. Yeah. willing to be uh, open about where they're at mm -hmm. with respect to this. So it's it's a challenging right. one. And, and I, share, I, I share it purely because I think it's just something that's, um, if we're okay that it's immature, it's, it's a far better place to be, right? If we're not, we know we're not there, it's better than pretending to be there. The conversation, just having the conversation about it, and even just the fact that it's 2022 as we're recording this, and the conversation I think is just starting do you know what? If someone listens to this podcast in 2026 and they're like, oh, we've come a long way, I'll be thrilled. Mm. You know, it's that's exciting, I think. Absolutely. And, and as I said, just to um, how we said um, companies have all these targets, right? But people, the hiring manager has a lot to do with uh bringing that to life because we are so human beings we just want people like us right so it's easy it's easy to lead them is we know what they want right so we need to the hiring managers need to open up their mind to be able to go actually brad's really different right so i think i need him in my team yeah right so that's how you create the diversity and inclusion and acceptance rather than having it on a strategy page. But Brad might challenge my thinking and make me feel less than. So do I really want him in my team? That, that, <laughs> well, that's that's the, that's the, this is exactly, you know, we go back to that point about leadership and management reform, right? You know, before I can embrace diversity, I need to know safely, does this actually add value to me? And what is the structures and how do I harness the value of diversity and I'm not saying it's, you know, I'm not saying it's wrong, by the way. I'm just saying I think it's difficult for people to harness it. Um, and it's 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 an interesting one because you, um, you know, everyone's on a different spectrum of that area of development, right? And so I, I respect organisations are going through that, but it's, um, it's an interesting one. And I think this might lead into our next 
you know, kind of uh, conversation. So I want to go into storytelling, right? And, and I think this is really healthy for leaders uh, who are listening to this, business owners who are listening to this, who can just reflect on this to see maybe there's things they're doing well, maybe there's things they're not doing well. You just have a little pause moment as you as we unpack this. So I'm keen for you to share one story each. I'm going to start. We're going to start on the challenging side. So we, where a, a manager or leader has absolutely pissed you off, right? Has, has managed you in a way that you think was not getting the best out of you nor the situation. And and maybe just some basics around the dynamics that you saw play out um, that might've been handled differently if they had their time around again. So one, a story that would help a, a manager listening to this to reflect on their own leadership style. I've got one. <laughs> This is going to be hard, um, uh, not uh, mentioning names here, but that's okay. We'll go with yeah, that. No, no throwing people under buses. Yeah, no, no, no. No, so so actually, um, exactly what you said, it, that's how it played out. Like, um, we had a conversation, and that conversation made me feel like I'm not doing the job well, plus um, I cannot be who I am in the workplace, right? Um, and I can't bring my authentic self, right? I'm a bit of a joker, joker crazy, like, you know, yeah, like a bit cheeky, right? So, and, but that's that's who I am. But um, there's a lot of integrity and there's a lot of hard work, thought process that goes into what I do. So I, I have a lot of regard for what I do. So felt like that was really taken away with that conversation. If uh, that person had that time again, how how they should have handled that situation is understand me first, right? What do I value? I what do I value? Oh, so she values um, doing a great job, and she also values being who, who she is, bringing her authentic self to work, um, and addressed it in a way that. And if he was vulnerable to tell me why he was feeling like that, right? Uh, The reason why I'm telling you this is because of X, Y, Z. Not to say, hey, don't do that. That was shit. I mean, that was, that. yeah, and don't do this again. Mm. Why? Like, help me understand why, right? And then understand me first. Yeah, okay. Right? So didn't understand you, didn't take the time to unpack the rationale and the yes. and the why. How did that play out for you in terms of your internal narrative and your own productivity over the following weeks? <laughs> not too great for that organization, I must say, right? Um, and not really great for that relationship either. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you, we all know when somebody, a high performer in your team, is feeling like shit, right? A lot of things. I mean, everyone else around the team also feels that, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, yeah, it, it's not the best feeling. However, I was mature enough at that stage to have a very direct conversation with my manager and go, you know what? This didn't. This made me feel like this for these these reasons, and had a really good conversation around how we could he could have done it differently. Uh, rewind five years ago, five years to that, never had happened. No, there's have, no way. I would have, have been on seek looking for a job. Yeah, well, okay. Can, can you, um, I, I want to get to Lucy's example in a moment, but just to build on that, what you clearly took responsibility, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, the first thing I look at with any leader or emerging leader is like you've got to start above the line, you know, take account of you, take responsibility for your side of it. And that's not to suggest that this other person hasn't done the right, the wrong or right thing. What what role do you believe people in employment, just generally, right? So whether you're in a two-person business or a 2,000-person business, what's what role do they have around responsibility to have those sorts of conversations if they want it to work? Well, it goes back to your values. Personally, I think it goes back to your values. We all have a responsibility to um, find joy in what you do. And if that is impacted, then you need to understand why. And then take responsibility to have that conversation because that that at that moment I had two choices, right? Either I go, you know what, I don't need to deal with these jokes, right? I'm just gonna go and find another job. Or 
take responsibility for that situation. And because it's not the last time that's going to happen to me, right? It's going to happen in another organization too. So um, I think that it, because it just didn't align with my values, the way that it was handled. So yeah. I took responsibility. You have to take responsibility. Yeah, it's good. Right? Yeah, I, I love that because it's, it's some, you know, we talked about people being starting from a good place, good intent. Mm-hmm. You know, le- leaders and managers don't go out to intentionally upset no, people. Most not, yeah. like there are psychopaths <laughs> out there. I've seen them before, <laughs> and they're out to kill. But more more often than not, you know, and that's that. There's a, and they're obviously the other part of responsibility is you could res- be responsible for your career and opt out if it doesn't work, right? Mm-hmm. But um, I like that. It really impresses me that way of thinking. I think we need more of it in the world, to be honest. But Lucy, over to you. You're like, is there an example that you can share? Um, I mean, I feel like I have quite a lot, so um, I'll just try and narrow it down to a really straightforward one. There was one particular example where um, someone relatively senior in the organisation at the time just came down and told me that I basically should treat someone else like crap, like um, another provider, like you should have done this. And like, they were very angry and I didn't really get a chance to speak and that was down. So that's quite a dramatic example, and it was quite dramatic at the time. Um, but I think to Jay's point, the me- I felt frustration, like like almost like, yeah, significant amount of frustration after that. And it was because there was no, hey, Luz, can you just talk me through what your thought process was over, you know, the past week? Because I would have preferred to have you to have done this or what have you, like no chance to explain myself. And it's almost like you feel like you're kind of being reduced to a child almost, mm-hmm. as opposed to like, I, 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 I am doing things with intentionality. So if you just listen to my intention, that would be great. And I think it's just, you're not choosing to understand who I am and who I am yet again, not perfect, but literally kindness is one of my values. I will never talk to someone like a piece of crap. And if I do, it's because, well, I don't think it would happen now actually, but I think it definitely happened in the past because I was, pretending to be someone I wasn't and trying to put loads of pressure because I thought that was the right thing to do. So, um, yeah, like I say, kind of relatively short and sharp example, but I'm quite on the more dramatic side, but, um, yeah, a very good example. Yeah. Well, it's a powerful example. It's interesting because you, you come up, like you can tell you're here for a reason, right? You guys, you, you are a person that has some integrity around, wanting to make a difference and we expect in organizations people to think for themselves and and to to add value and put those whole processes into place and then you've had an example there where that judgment was um as you said you use the word minimize right so i I think it's a really powerful example let's look at the the positive side like i'm sure you've had amazing leaders i'm sure you've had people that have really empowered you to shine um brought the best out of you just again on the an example of where you've gone that really gave me a boost that's motivated me that's pushed me to do things that maybe I wasn't even thought I was capable of that sort of that style of thinking um what what did the manager slash leader do with you or for you I think my example of that uh, and I have a lot again so just to offset the fact that I have a lot of examples I actually have a lot of great examples as well um the one that comes to mind uh, for me is when I uh, moved roles in one of the organisations I've worked for, and um, and I uh, know that one of the reasons I got this role was because the culture of the role was a lot more suited to my personality, and so I was actually able to kind of thrive yeah. in that particular culture versus the culture of a different area of the business. And so, and I know that was very intentional by. Um, you know, the person responsible and but I didn't know at the time at all and it was only when I've been in the role a few months and I was like you know and I was having the conversation and I'm like oh like you were very intentional and I did thrive and and obviously that would be one of my pivotal roles in my career and almost like I cannot thank that manager enough for making that call um and has taught me so much right that's a role model in itself you know it's not just around the technical aspects of the role or anything like that because you can you can learn those yeah. but a culture that that allows you to thrive is is just amazing like, yeah it's it's yeah. life-changing well it's hard to find and if they can identify it for you and see that bigger picture yeah. faster than you can which obviously many people have the privilege of because they're you know they know their culture they know yeah. their people if they if they spend the time to actually understand exactly it. right so yeah. it is being able to like match the jigsaw up and make it kind of work but it works for them as well right if, the, if their 
deems thriving than happy days, but also taught me to figure that out for myself. And so you start to go, okay, it's a culture. It's not really a cultural fit. Whereas before I might've just gone, the must push through loose must, must succeed in this culture. Whereas actually like, why? Like if it's not aligned with you, then take responsibility and go somewhere else, you know? Um, I have come something uh, similar. So, as I said, I had a career in finance for like 15 years, right? And then I was pretty happy and content. And then one of the sales leaders in the organization came to me and said, hey, like, have you considered moving to sales? I'm like, no. (laughs) Like, I think um, I never say this to many finance people. But I think you'll be a really great fit for this role that's coming up. Um, um, think about it, right? I'm like, like there's no way, right? There's no way I'm going to um, lead uh, the, one of the biggest channels. Like, there's no chance. But she sat me down and said, look, okay, right? Talk me through your thought process, right? And then I was like, um, what are the things you can do? Let's start with that, yeah. right? In this role, what are the things you're, you, you're, and I was like, I was just rattling through, right? Now I can do this, 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 and this. Like, okay, so that's about 80%. Uh, I'm like, ah, yeah, okay. But, and then it's like, so what are you nervous about? And I'm like, mm, yeah, well, I've never had really customer meetings and like negotiations and those can be learned, right? Those can be learned. These are the things that, you can transfer to any role you this want. That's why I want you right. as well. Yeah. So, <laughs> so then, like, I mean, that to me is like really um, identifying talent and supporting people through what they want to achieve in their career as well and opening their minds to look at different things, right? So I still, like, one of my biggest mentors at the moment is that leader. Like, I still talk to them and, like, um, um, so yeah, so that's one of the biggest, I mean, that changed my career completely, right? Like that gave me so many different skills that I never thought that I would even acquire. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I think yeah. if I build on Lucy's example, just to, what I'm hearing in this is that this, these leadership traits that you value is the ability to really understand you and, and see where the value is in you, right? That sometimes you can't even see in yourself. And that's where you can, um, you, you will thrive because someone's believing you. They're taking a chance on you. They're, they're prepared to do that. And it's interesting in a world that's so focused on efficiency and focused on getting stuff done and productivity that we, that's count, quite counter to the natural logic, which is if I hire someone that's done it before, that's where I'm going to get success. So I can hire someone that knows this stuff. That's where I'm going to get success. And in, in, in small business land, that's a, you know, that's quite a threatening place to be. You know, you, you might be living and dying by, you know, the, the dollar that comes into your, your business every, every month. Right. And, and, um, sometimes it's the right thing to do, but it's a very hard thing to do to back that cultural fit over, uh, over, over some functional capability. Yeah. But, I, I also have a different perspective on that, right? Even small businesses, if you bring somebody who has amazing leadership skills who can inspire your team and get things done through your team, it doesn't matter. Like technical things you can teach people, right? Leadership, putting people first, is really difficult to teach, mm-hmm. right? It has to come from the heart. And it takes experience. It takes, it takes learning. Yes. You've got to go through it to understand it, right? Exactly. So... I would, um, I think even small businesses should take a chance in terms of bringing people who have great leadership skills to develop teams and inspire teams so that you, you will see the benefit. Yeah, I, I look, there's some people listening to this that will probably need to hear that, right? And the other part of that that I need to hear is often they're, because they're an expert in their field, stepping away from that, allowing someone to, to run a business, to manage it, to lead it, to see what they can draw from that, that, all these people that are that, that are working for them mm-hmm. and allow them to stick at what they're good at is a can be confronting, but it's also really powerful, right? Yeah. And also, like, I'm such a believer in coaches, mentors, you know, other, like no one's by themselves. Like my, my career, I've, I've literally had a coach mentor, a number of mentors. I literally pay leadership coaches and I have done for years. And, and I think they make such a difference in helping me think in a different way and stuff. So whether you are a small business bringing somebody in with that, those 
leadership skills, I think you are kind of collapsing time because you can teach mm. those technical things. Yeah. But again, the small business owner who's bringing that person in might need to feel like they're losing control slightly. Yes. But if this person is smart enough to have learned all the leadership stuff and can do that really well, then I'm not sure they'll pick up the technical stuff as well. Like no disrespect to that, but that can be learned. But as long as the business owner who brings them in is also willing to mentor them and put that time in rather than just bringing them in and going, right, off you go. Yeah. Off you go, you said you're pretty good. Yeah, I want to do your thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's watch. You know, it's not, that's not what you're in it for. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Uh, Ladies, it's been really fun. Um, I've, I've like, I think there's heaps of very good stories and even it's, it's, there's no, you know, some of the stuff we've talked about today is not deliberately going, you must do this or you must do that. We're trying to evoke a good conversation for people to, to reflect and to look at their world. But on that point, are there any principles or mantras or things that you believe or say or do in your business and your work that you think might be useful for someone listening to this. You say, okay, this is a good way to think. This is something that I believe is really helpful for me. So one of the things I um, do now is I historically have been relatively hard on myself if, you know, made a mistake or had a conversation that didn't go very well. Reflecting on it and, and understanding why it didn't go well or why you made that mistake, then now I kind of go, well, now you know better, do better. Like just don't repeat it. So that, that literally goes around my brain a number of times a day like be okay with what you've done before but now you know better do better yeah wow i like that and it's such an achiever mindset isn't it yeah <laughs> yeah very cool <laughs> Where you go? um for me it's like um always seek to understand right seek to understand um no matter whether it's work related or whether it's personal um everyone has a story right you're dealing with human beings right yes small or big, they're making profit, absolutely. But uh, who delivers that profit is people. It's a human being. Right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, that's my like biggest thing, uh, always, 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 and try to make that connection with those people, right? Um, and there's, ego doesn't get you anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Ego doesn't really, uh, is what will keep you from progressing professionally and personally in life in general. So those are my things that I seek to understand. Ego has no place. You got a bonus one. You gave two. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah she <laughs> took, was, you you, you took a little, that was a bit cheeky. You yeah, literally no, no, no. showing you, you, you jumped in with an extra. <laughs> so I'll let you get away with that because you both have been so kind. <laughs> Um, but you know, I, I love where we got to today. You know, we don't have, we can't have you here forever. We'd like to continue <laughs> no. the conversation. But it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's interesting because basically what we've talked about today is this idea of emotional intelligence and, you know, asking people that to be more conscious of it. Right. And it's, it's not easy and we've all had slips and I have them today. I mean, you guys, I'm sure you have times where you're like, Oh, I misread that. Um, being kind on ourselves around that, um, in businesses is, is not all always easy to do, but um, but respecting that it's important is probably a good starting point, right? So that's I think that's what I've taken out of today. Um, but I wish you really well. I, I really hope the, the the podcast continues because I know it's <laughs> it's a it's a key it's an important topic, and you, you know if we can't look after people, we're in big trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I really uh, I really hope it keeps you keep putting that word out there, and the fact that you're so honest and vulnerable today, and just being clear about what your perspective is, your own learnings. Nice if a few others um, you know, out there might um, take away from that as well. Let's hope, right? Like at least if, as we say, if two or three people take something away from this conversation, we're good, right? Yeah. That's great. You, made, you made a difference in the world. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Like, like a ripple in the pond. Just <laughs> Ladies, thank you so much. It's been fun. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Thank you. Anytime.